With the excitement building for the upcoming Tour de France Femme avec Swift, Anthony had the pleasure of speaking with Kate Vernino. Kate was on the show this time last year and we just had to get her on again. Kate is Zwift's Director of Content and Women's Strategy and Anthony and her talked about Zwift's initiatives around women's cycling in both the real world and on the virtual platform. And I wanted to do the introduction to this interview today as this year for the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift, I'll be doing a daily roundup of all of the racing plus I'm going to have some pre-kickoff shows to fill you all in on the riders and the stages I really cannot wait but first here's a taste of what you're in for today I'm of the mind that every time you take a driver's license test you should also be put on a bike and have a car buzz you and to just so to feel what that feels like why compete with the biggest male race in the entire world for competition? It's it's silly. I can't stand it because I missed the first week of the men's tour then. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need like a worldwide campaign with, you know, celebrity ambassadors talking about this or you know i don't know i don't know what the answer is like to create that awareness you want justin and, bieber on a bike is that yeah what you're i do i mean he does you know i bet, I bet he'd, he'd be uh maybe taylor swift um <laughs> case welcome back to the roadman cycling podcast hello fabulous to see you it's our annual catch-up yep it is it's that time of year I did see you in between that. I seen you uh, in the nightclub at Roller. <laughs> nice. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. It was like a who's who of the cycling industry in the oh shittiest God, nightclub great. in London. <laughs> I think I went to that place twice. Oh, man, it was great. <laughs> just like Adam Bly just sitting in the corner, wasted. <laughs> People just sitting. It's like, it's like a cyclist graveyard. It's a, it's a weird night. I think there was some dancing with Cancellara. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, I vaguely remember kind of like giving Cancellara a shit because he wouldn't come for a bag of chips and a kebab after the nightclub. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, you got to love See, roller. cyclists can have fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tour de Femme avec Zwift is rolling back around again. Is there a worry that there's, you know, in music circles, I have some friends who are musicians and they have this idea of, second album syndrome where the artist or band struggles to meet the expectations or replicate the success of the debut album and their second album is there a little bit of a worry that this could be the case second time around no i don't think so at all honestly um that first edition just blew everybody away and it was also you know there was so much attention around it because it was the first this year the attention is around you know the actual the characters and the action and you know just how how great of racing this is so i think that now it's it's i think this year is going to be pretty epic how do we judge last year's race like what metrics do we judge it by the number of people that tuned in like i suppose that's maybe a good place to start do you have any figures on how many people tuned in to watch it yeah we uh from aso we got figures that um almost 100 million hours viewed over 190 countries. Um, I think it was like in in France alone, the daily audience share was, I think, 12, no, no, sorry, sorry, 26% daily audience share with a peak of like 45% audience share for the final stage. So um, there's, a, you know, we, we, we definitely look at those metrics. The, the broadcast was incredible. The viewership of, you know, around the world, especially in Europe, 
but then also just to be on course and to see the fans come out and line the stage like they do for the men. Um, it just, it felt like proper iconic Tour de France. Yeah, one of the things I've been trying to get friends to stop doing, and this is kind of in response to conversations with you and a lot of the female peloton, it's like, stop comparing the men's to the women's. It's like, we don't need to know the female viewing figures versus the men's viewing figures. The female, some things it's helpful like to go, well, that's just downright wrong. Like, yeah. you know, prize money and stuff. I think that is helpful to shine a light on okay, we have a long way to go. But a lot of the time it's like, okay, we can't really judge the men's chapter 600 against the female chapter one and think they're going to be the exact same. It, it needs time to evolve and develop its own character, its own history, stories, rituals. Exactly. I like to focus on what the women have to bring to the future of cycling as well. Like, you know, we're not trying to replicate what the men have done for a hundred years. We have something kind of fresh and new and, and exciting to draw new fans and new sponsors into the sport. So I think that women's cycling and, and women's racing is, is really going to be a big part of how we excite a modern audience. And with Zwift bringing the sort of Tour de Femme back to life last year. What's their, you know, metric for a status success? Do they care about viewership figures or are they solely focused on download figures, lifetime value of customers? How are they judging it internally? Um, we're judging it definitely like broadcast. I mean, this is a big moment of, of brand awareness for us and it, and it allows us to, you know, really broadcast our mission to, to grow and elevate women's cycling. But it's definitely, you know, we also want it to direct traffic to our website. We want this social campaign around it to be seen worldwide. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of things that we'll be looking at. Uh, and we just uh, launched a report this week that showed some of the impact of that first race. And a lot of that is about how good this was as a sponsorship. And, and we're trying to inspire, you know, other brands, other companies to get on board because this is a really great place to be in sports right now. What's the sort of challenge with measuring that? Like if I watch the Tour de Femme and I become aware of Zwift in the summer, but I ride my bike outside in quite pleasant climates all summer and I choose to download Zwift then in November as a result of seeing the Tour de Femme, it's like, how do you make that connection? Or are you solely just saying, okay, it's a brand building exercise? Yeah, it's brand building exercise. It's about um, it's about people, you know, coming. Uh, I, I guess becoming aware of Zwift, and then also seeing Zwift as a very positive brand, so that if they do consider riding indoors, Zwift is going to be top of mind because you're you're going to say, "Wow, Zwift is Zwift, Zwift is doing good things in the world of cycling." You know, this is a company that cares. This is a company that puts their money where their mouth is. You know, and that's that's our hope. And also, you know, we do a lot of of content in the game to reflect uh, what we're doing outside. So there is, you know, if you are a big fan of cycling, if you are really invested, you know, on our platform, you can ride with pros, you can do pro training programs, you can, uh, you know, ride in, in France on the Champs-Élysées. There's, there's a lot of ways that we integrate uh, what's going on outside into our platform, but also sort of, you know, make it so that indoor riding is, is something that just makes your outdoor riding better. So how is the evolution of the platform going? I know obviously you and everyone else that had these sort of, we call them quote unquote, stay at home brands during the lockdown, they benefited from this huge surge of traffic, which most companies weren't equipped to deal with. And everyone sort of scrambled to spin up enough staff and resources and servers to deal with the extra capacity. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of leveled off where, you know, we see in the pros just all day on Zwift during it. 
But also coupled with that leveling off of people riding indoors less, we've seen more competitors entering the space now where we have Wahoo have a competitor product. My Woosh is the title sponsor for UAE are coming into the space as well. How is that impacting Zwift's market share at the moment? Um, You know, I will say we're still extremely positive and it's been a, a great way for us to push our product forward, for us to celebrate our community, for us to make sure that we are um, being really responsive uh, to our customers and developing the product and, and making new exciting things to happen in Zwift that you can, you know, that, that people feel like there is, this is the place to be. And this is, there's a lot of value in your, you know, monthly Zwift subscription because we're constantly developing and constantly launching new features. So we've put a lot of emphasis on that uh, this past year of making sure that our engagement is really high and that there's always something to talk about in Zwift. So it's been it's been really exciting. And then, you know, we continue to do these um, initiatives outside of Zwift uh, that continue to push, push our brand forward. But it's been it's been great. Yes, it, it did level off, but it's still strongly growing, which is exciting. I'm right into the meat of the season at the moment. I finished the Ross. That's in my rear view mirror now. And I was moving super well. I was very competitive despite my protracted absence from that level of racing. Now, I don't want to fall into the trap that I see many riders falling into. Just riding around with no focus or aim and meeting up with friends and having coffee simply because the good weather has arrived. I'm continuing to use my Watt bike almost daily to keep me sharp and on point with specific sessions all the way through to my target events. I can't wait for the Rift and Leadville later this summer. That's why I'm really happy to be continuing my partnership with Watt Bike. The Watt Bike, Adam, it's in my recording studio right beside the new desk. And if I have an hour between interviews, I jump on. It removes all the friction points. I've no more 10 minutes set up, unfolding legs, banging my knees off stuff, no more connection issues. It just works every single time. Adam's perfect for its Zwift racing too. I have the big TV set up here and I love those crisp gear changes. It has 1% power accuracy and a max gradient capability of 25%, even if my legs don't have a 25% max gradient capability. Even when I'm over there riding those steepest climbs on Watopia, it's absolutely fine. I'm actually riding the custom gearing setup. If you get a Watt bike, definitely play around with that. It's so suitable for those really hilly Watopia stages. If you're looking for an indoor bike trainer, I couldn't recommend this any higher. It's the very last indoor bike trainer that you're ever going to need. Absolutely phenomenal. If you head on over to whatbike.com and you use the code ROADMAN10 at checkout, you're now going to get 10% off the Whatbike Atom. So that's ROADMAN10 at checkout and you're going to get 10% off the Whatbike Atom. All the details for that offer are in today's show notes. I want to shift gear a little bit with the massive success last year of the Tour de Femme of X Wift. Can we chat about some of the historical hurdles for female participation and see maybe how last year's success is impacting those and if we see them as still hurdles, which we need to create dialogues around or you know brainstorm solutions around, or are they stuff we can put to one side? And historically here and anyway in Ireland and the UK, we've seen very low participation numbers on group rides. And locally, that hasn't really changed that much from my sort of anecdotal observations. And it got me wondering, what are the hurdles to this? And road safety is one that's, it's 
poignantly in our face here in Ireland anyway at the moment because we had a, a very cherished member of the cycling community, Gabby, that was passed away about two months ago now at this point, hit with a car out training and one of the top riders in Ireland. So everybody's so paranoid about road safety and it seems to be something that's getting worse and worse and it's pushing more and more roadies across to gravel. I think that's historically one of the big barriers for newbies getting into the sport, not just females, but males. Do you think we're seeing shifts in this pattern or is it getting worse? Is it getting better? Yeah, I live in Los Angeles and I would not say it's getting better. And that's incredibly frustrating and heartbreaking. I think there has to be, it's hard because like, even, you know, when we, we do everything we can do, there's just so many factors we can't control. Um, I'm a big fan of group riding and of fostering community and fostering, you know, great uh, cycling etiquette and education and working with uh, local and, and government authorities to, you know, to um, educate on, on, you know, bike and car safety as well. But it's it's really hard. It's really hard. I'm, I'm a big fan of like safer in the pack. So as much as we can ride together and be extremely visible on the road. I think that's a good um, idea. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm of the mind that every time you take a driver's license test, you should also be put on a bike and have a car buzz you, and to just so to feel what that feels like, and just because I, it's we're not seen as humans out there. We're just, you know, it's it's just something that is in people's way. Have you seen that viral video of? I think it's uh, someone on a what bike, and mm-hmm. someone drives past them in a lorry, like a meter. Yeah. like proximity to them at like 100 kilometers an hour and are like feel what that feels like feel how scary that is that's a great idea there you go i didn't even think a stationary bike would be the best way to do it. i really think that that should happen it is it's uh it's a real problem um i've been affected too uh with my my friends and 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 close ones and it's it's unacceptable it's unnecessary um i've been in countries where you, you know you just feel like um there's uh, more of a respect for cyclists on the road, more um, distance given, more space given. It's not the case in the U.S. It's we're still seen as in people's way, and there's just a lot of animosity, and it's it's just unfounded. It needs to be it needs to be quelled, and needs there just needs to be a lot more education and empathy and a recognition also that every bike out there is one less car on the road. So like, let's work together. Yeah, I had a hope. I've been cycling like 10 years or so where I've actually been getting into cycling kit, going on group rides and kind of a part of the cycling community. And 10 years ago, cycling wasn't cool. Like there was nobody cool or fashionable cycling. We hadn't got all these cool brands, influencers, all this stuff. There was no Zwift back then. And (laughs) you go out on the road and you you wouldn't really see another cyclist. And My hope at that time was, oh, when we start getting critical mass on the roads, now it'll be the same reason that my dad drives courteously to cyclists because he says, oh, my son's a cyclist. That could easily be my son. I'd give him a bit Mm -hmm. more passing distance. So this was my hope that the way this ecosystem would develop, that if we got enough critical mass, everybody would know somebody, oh, Kate from the office cycles, that could be her. I need to be respectful. But it feels like it's had the opposite problem. It feels like it's getting worse and worse the more cyclists are on the road, the more infuriated drivers are becoming, that it's this, you know, my background's law, and they have this idea called cumulative provocation, where a husband over a course of years can, you know, nag away with small little infractions and small bits of physical abuse towards a wife, and eventually she'll strike back and kill the husband. 
and mm-hmm. that defense is cumulative provocation. That it wasn't mm-hmm. one thing. It wasn't because he threw a salt shaker at her head. That didn't justify the retaliation. But it was 15 years of throwing salt shakers at her head. It seems mm-hmm. like drivers are in that mindset that they're so aggravated from passing so many cyclists mm-hmm. that when they get to you, they're so wound up and they're so in the red. Yeah. I think it's it's been worse since the pandemic too. I mean, you're just seeing a lot more aggression. I, it just, I think collectively our mental health needs a lot of work, you know? And I don't know if it's like, do we need like a worldwide campaign with, you know, celebrity ambassadors talking about this or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is like to create that awareness. You want Justin and, Bieber on a bike? Is that yeah, what I do. I mean, he does, you know, I, I bet he'd, he'd be, uh, maybe Taylor Swift. Um, but, yeah, but like what, like where, where can we find some middle ground? Where can we find some compassion and just some, and also just reason this is, it's so absurd. It's so unnecessary. Um, and I honestly, every, every time I do have an incident with a car, there's a little part of me that, that has, uh, empathy for the driver. I'm like, wow, what's going on in their life that that I'm making them that freaking mad. Like, and they're, they're, they're just like at boiling point already. It's like, wow, like we just need a a collective deep breath, you know? Um, but I do think like there has to be some, some way to have motors understand that, you know, the weapon that they are, you know, that they have in their hands and just how that feels and how vulnerable we are out there. And it's, I don't know if that's maybe surfacing more stories about these tragic accidents, but it's, it's not, it's not a great place right now. Sponsor today is Caldera Lab. As road men, we're out in all sorts of weather. And I have to say, I've really started to notice the effects of that exposure. I'm just spending too much time in the elements and the sun, the wind and the rain, and it's taken an effect. More fine lines, wrinkles and visible signs of aging. When I look into the mirror some days, it's like my dad's face is looking back at me. Over the past six months or so, I've been looking to optimize all aspects of my health and I've really focused on finding a solution to this exposure. I'm obviously not going to stop riding my bike. The culmination of my research is being Caldera Lab. I started using this product as a customer because of the depth of clinical trial data showing that this stuff really works. And I have to say, I chased them super hard to get these guys on board as a show sponsor. So how it works is they have three products and you use them in the morning and then again in the evening. The first one is the Clean Slate, which is a balancing cleanser that uses gentle plant-based cleansing, leaving your skin feeling exceptionally refreshed. The second one is the base layer, and this is a nutrient-dense moisturizer which hydrates your skin. And the third one is called the Good, and this is a serum which helps your skin to look younger, tighter, and smoother. The combination of these three makes up your morning and evening routines. We have an exclusive offer for our audience so you can try this for yourself and you don't have to take my word for it. You can get 20% off with our code, which is simply ROADMAN. Head on over to calderalab.com forward slash roadman and use that discount code to unlock your youthful glow and be ready for the summer. I'm going to leave that discount code and link to Caldera in today's show notes. Broadly, when you look at participation in group rides, do you guys have statistics on female participation? Are we seeing that shift 
in trends to more female participation? Because there is a lot of positive stuff going on. We're focusing there a lot on a mm-hmm. negative, but yeah. there is a lot of positive. And you know, Instagram influencers they get an awful bad name for you know sometimes rightly so, but other times not so rightly so. And they are given great visibility to female cycling and it's making yeah. it more accessible in a kind of can't see me, can't be me way. And there's definitely some countries or you go to areas where you're like, oh my God, female participation is true to roof here. I spent a lot of time in Girona over the winter. Yeah, and, that's incredible. You know, there's so many females on bikes. And it's like, whoa, this is amazing. Are we seeing those trends shift globally? Yes, definitely. Um, definitely growth, uh, you know, uh, in, especially in areas that have, you know, uh, I guess like a, a good, uh, grassroots communities that are, that are, you know, inviting women in and, and making it, um, you know, social and supportive, uh, to ride. So in, in Los Angeles, we have an incredible women's scene and that's some of the work that, that Rafa's done as a brand. There's a lot of influencers around that are, are working for different brands and, and just, you know starting group rides. That's a big part of it. Um, I'd still like to see, you know, I'd like to see that be more common and, you know, not just the major areas. So, but it is, it's an intimidating sport. So you need, you need some resources and, and people in place that are willing to, to help new newbies in and to really create the, the safe spaces to, you know, to ask the questions and to, to be a real noob on a ride. So it's, I, it's definitely growing. I'm excited to see, uh, I, I believe there's going to be some data coming out from maybe Strava that, uh, you know, is going to delve into the, um, you know, the growth of, of women on bikes over the, the past couple of years. Um, it's definitely women are, are getting on bikes at a faster rate than men right now. So that's good. Um, cause we have some catching up to do, but there are some unique barriers for women and there needs, you know, we all need to do whatever we can to make women feel, um, in, included and safe and, um, you know, supported. Cause it just needs more strong female voices and we're getting there slowly. Like Orla Shen yeah. was absolutely brilliant on Eurosport. You've been a brilliant advocate. I've heard you on uh, other podcasts as well, because the, the set of, hurdles are so unique and I don't even understand them. Like my girlfriend, Sarah, who co-hosts the Friday podcast, I was talking to her about her uh, solo training and she goes different routes out training because she's worried that someone will look at her Strava twig that she rides the same route every Tuesday, Mm -hmm. Wednesday morning and is somehow waiting for her in some sort of World War II style ambush. I'm like, yeah. come on, get over yourself. No one's waiting. And she's like, no, this is real. Like this happens, girls, all the time. Her. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is something I'd have no awareness that this was even a problem. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Just safety overall. And um, yeah, I think that uh, as, as much as we can kind of create communities that really help women, you know, have people to ride with, uh, feel, feel safe, feel supported. It, you know, on their local roads, that's it, it's really important. It is really important, and it's it, I'm seeing a lot more of it, but it, I'm I'm just hoping it continues to go in that direction. How is the overall female race calendar developing? I will hold my hands up and say I'm a little bit of a jump on the bandwagon fan when it comes to female cycling. I'll tune in and watch Roubaix. I'll tune in. I'm gonna Sarah's doing a daily podcast on the Tour de Femme this year, so I'll be tuning in nice. every day to the race and the podcast. But I'm a little bit of a jump on the bandwagon just because 
I've limited time. I already follow the male mm-hmm. cycle. And it's just when when it's kind of pushed at me, I'm like, oh, cool, the girls is on. But I'll never yeah. go seeking like a girl semi-classic and be like, oh, I wonder who won the female version of Doors, Doors, Hint, Hageland or something. I just, <laughs> I don't have that. It, I don't have that love for it. But help me understand how the female pro ecosystem is developing in the last 12 months. Are we seeing better prize money, more racing opportunities? How's the team ecosystem or girls getting the pay parity they deserve? Yeah. Um, so the, the pay parity is coming. It's uh, the visibility is, is the biggest evolution and that I, I, I'm personally watching women's racing almost every week. And that's, that's awesome. Just, I've never had that opportunity to watch so much racing. So there's a lot more, um, a lot more broadcast, um, which is a real key to drawing more sponsorship and to, um, you know, bringing more money into the sport, honestly, so that eventually that, you know, we will have parity in terms of like salary and prize purses and things like that. The race calendar itself has grown very fast. Uh, I can't remember exactly how many races are on the calendar, but it's, pretty significant and almost to the point where it's, I've definitely heard that it's growing almost too fast and it's hard for the teams to keep up, you know? So, cause not every team has, you know, two squads that they can send one to this race and one to this race if there's two races going on at the same time. So it's, it's growing pace. And even the support staff you need for that as well is like, it's huge. Exactly. So, you know, the women's side of things in terms of those, those support sessions, team staffs and vehicles and all that is it's catching up and it's, it's, it's made incredible leaps and bounds in the last couple of years, but there's going to be some growing pains. They're good growing pains, but it's, uh, yeah, I think you'll, we've seen a couple races, uh, fall by the wayside. We've seen others been really elevated. Um, I'm excited for RCS to take over the women's Giro next year. I think that'll, that'll help bring that race the attention and uh, treatment it deserves. So, What's going on with the um, timing of the Giro? It seems to, like it makes no sense. The Giro is on during the first week of the tour, then yeah. they have a week off and then they go to the tour. It's like, why cram it all into this period? I hope that's reconsidered next year. I have not heard timings yet next next year yet, but I, that is a concern. And I think that that's a, that's a big talking point right now in the women's world tours what is the best way to organize the races for, uh, you know, for, to, to maximize um, the audiences and to ensure that, that, that it's works best for the teams. So, and the riders. So. Because it's like, why compete with the biggest male race in the entire world for competition? It's, it's silly. I can't stand it because I missed the first week of the men's tour then. (laughs) (laughs) it's so crazy because even you see the amount of podcasts that come out then the amount of all cycling related content that comes out then it's just you know people are going oh my god the move is back i haven't listened to the move (laughs) since the last tour and that's back now i gotta check that out so it's like to find time to watch the female giro as well i just think like put it in like you know august you know the week before the vuelta or something and it's like okay now there's something to look forward to. And it gives the girls like a full race season as well, rather than, yep. you know, if you're not going well for three weeks in July, it's year over. Yeah. Next year with the Olympics uh, in Paris, um, you know, it, it gives the opportunity for, like, because there's, you know, everybody has to kind of build around that. So it's going to give the opportunity for us to take a really good look at the the year-long calendar and what makes the most sense. All, you know, all things that just are are evolving. It's It's a good thing. Looking into this year's Tour de Femme of X-Swift, what are you most excited about looking 
at as kind of an overview, the Tourmalet sticks out as being quite a big moment, but often these big moments don't produce the most drama and it's yeah. something else like the, you know, maybe some of the stages through the massive central that have potential for this, the race to explode. Yeah, I think uh, those first couple stages those uh, are going to be fire. It's it's going to be uh, aggressive, and um, the team tactics are going to be thrilling. It's you know, last year being the first year, I don't think anybody quite knew what to expect, and each day was like the most intense race you've ever done. Now this year, they know what they're getting into, and they know you know they know who to beat. Um, and there's just so much firepower on the teams that I think you're going to see some really brazen attacks those first couple stages. And the terrain is hard. It's really hard. This is no cakewalk to the Tourmalet. So I think the, the it's it's going to be kind of like can't miss a minute action. I can't wait for the first couple stages, especially um, because of that, just all those things. Well, that's why I've really enjoyed watching the female cycling because it's so, so different to the male yeah. cycling. Is I love it to death, but at times it can be very formulaic where the teams are so big, all the guys are so fit now, everyone can do six watts per kilo at the world tour level that it's difficult to make that separation. Sometimes when you're watching the girls, it's like you've turned on a junior race. It's like, oh my God, there's a cluster bomb after exploding and there's like <laughs> bodies everywhere. And you're looking like, you know, you turn on Eurosport or GCN player, you watch the men's and it takes you like roughly 20 seconds to orientate what's going on. It's like bunch, two in the break. They're going to yeah. get sweeped up, bunch sprints. Seen this script before. I turn on the girls race and I'm like, I'm six minutes looking at it going, like, what's going on? Where is like, why is there so many groups on the road? This is chaos. Yeah. How about Paris-Roubaix Femme of X-Swift this year? Like, that was a perfect example. Just phenomenal. There's so much new talent right now. There's uh, there's so many new players that it's, you really just can't miss a minute. And it, we've just seen so many incredible breakthrough performances this year as well. Like, look at, like, Gaia Rolini. And, like, there's some riders that I cannot wait to see what they can do on uh, the Tour de France Femme of X-Swift. And the personalities coming through as well, like you mentioned, Roubaix, oh, like Alison it. Jackson coming through is just like such a great character for the sport. Like, as tell well. me, that's good for the sport. That is great for the sport. You know, how many people came across her dancing in, in the velodrome shortly after, you know, the hardest race of her life? She's just fantastic. And there's tons of that. There's just stories for days in the Women's World Tour. So, We've a nice betting culture, at least this side of the water. I know betting, depending on where you're listening, the US may or may not be legal. But if you were to get a few euro and you were to deploy them over the course of this, who's the kind of outside favorites that you expect to have a good run at the GC? Oof. Um, so, uh, of course, Anamik Van Vluten is going to come in hot. You know, she is the one to beat, especially on those, those longer climb efforts. And she just seems to be able to attack relentlessly um she's such a stonewall favorite though is she not yeah she's she's definitely the favorite but demi is flying this year she is absolutely flying she knows what she needs to do you know and she is her preparation has been incredible so i'm really excited to see what she brings to the table marta Cavalli back in action uh with a very strong team around her i can't wait to see that and then and then you know Gaia Rilini, um, you know, becoming one of the best climbers this year. Uh, so I, I really, and, and of course, Canyon Sram's team, you know, they have so much horsepower. And then, you know, Cassia Nivadoma 
uh, was third on the podium last year. So also, you know, has been laser focused on what she needs to do to get to that top step. So I, that's why I'm just so excited. There's just so much to talk about that. There's just the, the teams uh, have so much depth to them right now that you're just going to see a lot of cards played. I can't wait. Marlon Rooser, like she's scary, man. Wow. Like that engine? Myself and Sarah were coming home from a training week in Mallorca a few months back and checking in for the flight was Lotto Kopecky in the, the uh. queue behind us. And I was saying to Sarah, I was like, that's Lotto Kopecky behind. And she's like, oh, can I ask her for a picture? Can I ask her for a picture? And I was like, no, don't be embarrassed and don't ask her for a picture. Like, just play it cool. And then yeah. like, I go into the bathroom, I come out two minutes later and Sarah like texts me a picture of her <laughs> Lotto Kopecky. I'm like, oh, you didn't. And then she has it up on her Twitter. So she's going to have the house decked now. It's amazing how a small yeah. little interaction like that converts you to such a fan. So now like she's that. following her on Twitter, Instagram, she's like full gas, Lotto Kopecky fan yeah. girl at the moment. She's so cool. She's awesome. I mean, what a champ. What a champ. What's the, where's the best place to watch it? And as a follow-up to that, kind of, I'm keen to build or do my little part to try and help build that momentum from last year onto this year to make sure we don't have that second album syndrome. Where can <laughs> we watch it? But also how can we spread that message and help other people watch it? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, of course, Eurosport and, uh, you know, you have to kind of check locally, you know, if you're uh, in, in certain countries, check locally where it's going to be broadcast. It's it's uh, NBC Peacock in the U.S., Eurosport, SBS, uh, GCN, of course. You can find all of that on uh, Latour Femme's website, uh, exactly where you can watch locally. Um, and we are really pushing the hashtag Watch the Femme to get people excited and aware um, to introduce the personalities, to just, you know, make sure that everybody knows when this is happening and, and how to, and how to, uh, how to get involved. Um, I think that anybody that tunes into this race is going to be hooked. Um, I think everybody that watched last year is coming back with, uh, with friends. So it's going to be great. I'm excited for it. And so we have a little bit of a run up to it going on. Obviously your podcast and we have Ashley Momompasio coming on to give oh, her a little preview Ash. of it. And then Sarah is going to her daily ones. Oh, I didn't even talk about Ash. I mean, yeah, Ash Woman Passio. <laughs> oh, now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can. She's incredible. And just um, she's she's in top form right now. Another one that I cannot wait to see what she can throw down on the, on the climbs. And also, she's so good at those those other stages that have, you know, the, you know, the sort, sort of mid-level climbs. Uh, she can really attack on those. So can't wait to see that. Well, it promises to be eight days of amazing racing. Kate, thank you very much for joining us again. I look forward to catching up soon. Oh, so good to see you. Thank you so much. Watch the film. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Have you ever wondered how good you could actually be? Each of us has a unique set of circumstances with work, family and social obligations, but we also want to fulfill our potential in cycling. Okay, okay, maybe you won't ever win the Tour de France, but for most of us, this is what cycling is about. So let us build you the perfect training plan around your lifestyle that's totally unique to you and will help you finally realize your cycling dreams. So whether you're just getting started on the bike or if you're a more seasoned cyclist, we have a suitable coach for you. So why not schedule a call with us and we can have a chat about how we can help you go further than you ever dreamed of in your cycling and fitness goals. Go to roadmancycling.com forward slash contact or pop me an email directly to sarah at roadmancycling.com.
www.thepurpleshow.com. 